You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles this morning. I'm preaching on the key of kindness. Now, I remember a lot of things that my dad said to me as I was growing up. Some were very encouraging, like, son, I love you, or son, I'm proud of you. Uh, Some uh, were not very encouraging, but like, uh, anyways, some were very deep. And my dad would say, my dad would say, son, po-buddy's nerfect. You ever heard that one? Whenever I would complain about something or critique something or why did they do that and why is she that way? He would say, son, remember, po-buddy's nerfect. Another one he said, we were, we were at a campfire one time, we were looking, we were just staring at the fire, and, and I, I don't even know where it came from. He said, son, do you know why men are fascinated by water and fire? It's because water is what we're made of, and fire is where we belong. I said, dad, you're reading too many fortune cookies, you know, you gotta. <laughs> but the phrase I think I heard the most from my dad was, son, you would lose your head if it wasn't attached to your body. Was I the only person who heard that growing up? Anybody else? Son, you would lose your head if it wasn't attached to your body. One time he said, son, when the Lord was handing out brains, you thought he said rain and you ran for cover. (laughs) Said, I appreciate it, Dad. Thanks for the call on my 26th birthday. You know, I really, thank you. But I often misplaced things when I was growing up. My dad had a favorite hat, and he had it for years. And the one time he let me wear it out into the forest, gone. No idea where it went. And um, I forgot my uh, homework a lot, would misplace my homework a lot, would misplace my toys, my Bible. Uh, But these days, and you can ask Brother Rusty, he's in junior church, uh, but you can ask him, what does pastor lose all the time? Um, I lose my keys all the time. I rarely know where my keys are. If I were to think right now, I think they're on my desk, but they're probably not. I have no idea where my keys are. Now, let's not overcomplicate this. Life becomes significantly more difficult and incredibly frustrating when you lose your keys. Um, Okay, yes, Dr. Wallach is here. So, about a couple weeks ago, I think, we were picking up the kids, of uh, uh, Miss Shelley and Brother Matt's kids. We picked them up at the clinic over on Everhart. And I come out, and there's about 20 uh, people just kind of sitting outside. And I was like, what's going on? And Miss Wallach said, we don't have any keys. Now, from what I understand, you have the electronic keypad. So you don't, why need the keys? But then something went wrong with the electricity, and then you kind of need the keys. How long were you waiting out there? Okay, all right, so it probably puts you behind and you know, makes things inconvenient. But I remember, I can't judge too much, because I remember I had uh, a 1995 Nissan Altima. That was my first car. Uh, and then it switched over to a Ford Ranger truck. Uh, her name was Annabelle. Um, the Altima's name was Sasha, and then I went to Annabelle. And then I got a black Ford Taurus, and that was Black Beauty. Now, the great thing about Black Beauty was there was a keypad on the side. 31191. So you didn't need your keys. I would just get out and I would uh, turn off the car and I would throw the keys under my seat 
and then I would get out and just go about the rest of my day. Didn't need the keys, would go back, put in the uh, code. Now, you can imagine what happened when I switched from Black Beauty to the Barney Mobile, which was a purple Ford Escort stick shift. And not, not like purple, it, it was, it was purple. <laughs> you could see that thing from space. That's what I learned how to uh, drive stick shift in. And how many times I would get it out of that car, I would turn it off, throw the keys under, lock the door. No, no, no. Every single time. And those are hard to break into. Trust me. So losing my keys just all the time. Now, can you make it through life without your keys? Maybe but it's not gonna be very easy. So can you make it through life without this key that I'm preaching on? Maybe, but your life is going to be significantly more difficult and incredibly frustrating. And on top of that, God's not gonna be very happy with you. So show of hands this morning, how many of you feel like a motivational speaker? How many of you want a significantly difficult life? Okay, that's what I expected. How many of you want to live a life that is incredibly frustrating? How many of you want God to be displeased with you? Good, because I, I don't know about you, about you, but life is hard enough as it is. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Life is frustrating enough as it is. I disappoint and grieve and anger God enough as it is with my sinful decisions, and so do all of, we, so do all of us. So, this key isn't going to instantly remove all of our problems. It isn't going to remove all frustrations. It's not the only key that we need to live the Christian life, but it is a big one. And it's the key of kindness. Last year, I preached a series through 2 Peter, and I called it Add to Your Faith. I'm truly praying about preaching through it again. Uh, and one of those messages was on brotherly kindness. And I said this back then, and I'm saying it again a little over a year later. I am not afraid that our church lacks brotherly kindness. I'm not afraid of that. Uh, I appreciate your friendship to one another. I appreciate your spirit towards one another. However, we do need to guard. We need to watch that we don't lose brotherly kindness. Uh, pretty much every Christian quality is difficult to obtain. That's why the Bible calls us disciples. And it's easy to lose. So you can find a church that doesn't lack brotherly kindness, but then a year, two years down the line, suddenly they've, it's gone. They've lost it. We need to make sure that we don't lose it. If you at this moment can think of anybody in your life that you will not reconcile with, You've lost this key. And I know that's harsh. I know that, but it's Sunday morning, and we're here to learn what the Bible says. And uh, the Bible's truth, and truth hurts, and truth cuts deep. But that's all right. It's surgery that we need. Maybe you found a way to live your life without this key. Maybe in that one area with that one person, you have learned to live without it. But whether you realize it or not, you're making life significantly more difficult and incredibly frustrating. And it's, it's, that is not how God intended it to be. And I can, I can point to many times in my life where I've lost this key with somebody or with a group of people or with people in general. 
And just like any other sin, it brings damage to me and it brings damage to those around you. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Take a quick look. Would you, would you take a quick look at everybody around you? You can even spin your head around. Just, just go ahead and look. You want to know something about each other? We're different. We live amongst other people, people who are not the same as we are. We have different personalities, and that's a good thing. We have different viewpoints, and that's okay. We come from different backgrounds. We have different countries of origin, which means some of us have different culture. We have different senses of humor. Have you ever had somebody that just has a very dry sense of humor? This is their face telling a joke. And then you have somebody who's not that way, so then when somebody tells a joke, or, or sarcasm is one of my worst qualities. And if you're not careful, you can be sarcastic with somebody who doesn't like sarcasm, and you can bring a difference between you two. You gotta, it's, it's that simple, right? Because we're humans and, and we're different. But all of us, even though we're different, all of us have the same creator, the same heavenly father, and God did not make us to live in constant strife with one another, especially not Christians. Especially not Christians. Go ahead, let them come in. You come on and have a seat. It's so good to see you. There are going to be differences between you and other people. Husbands, look at your precious wife. She's different than you. And you are different than her. And that's a really, really good thing. She is going to complete you. You are going to complete her. She does a lot of things based on emotion. You do a lot of things based on rationality. And a lot of times, men, that's why you're so boring. That's why men can just sit in front of a pond and fish. I'm from Chicago. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand fishing, okay? Because fishing to me is like driving around in Chicago looking for a good parking spot. And you find a good parking spot, and you park in it, and you say, wow, what a great parking spot. And then you leave looking for a better parking spot. And that's, oh, look at this great fish. Bye. Eat it. At least eat it. Goodness. Eat it. Sushi. Praise the Lord. How did I get off on that? Let's focus. We're different. We're different than each other. Parents, have, have you seen how incredible it is you have your firstborn child and this worked for the firstborn child and then the secondborn comes along and everything that worked to get through the thick skull of the firstborn child doesn't work in the secondborn child. Firstborn, the firstborn child gives you the confidence to have another child. The secondborn teaches you not to judge other parents. So for everybody who has more than two children, you, you knew what you were getting into. You knew. But your kids are different than each other. Your friends, think of your friends. They're, you're different than your friends. You're different than your coworkers. You're different than your neighbors. You're different than other Christians. And some of these differences come, and what I'm talking about is strife, division, a little bit of a space. Sometimes that comes from misunderstanding. Sometimes it comes from accidents. Sometimes it comes from jumping to conclusions. A lot of us, that's the only exercise we get all day. We jump to conclusions. 
Sometimes they come from outright attacks on you. And that difference comes. Most of the time, it simply comes because we're, we're, we're different. We're different than each other. And you can tell how different we are by the, because I'm raising my voice higher. We're, we're different than each other. Now, no matter where these differences come from, living with and around different people can easily bring strife. And the problem is, depending on how long we allow that strife to continue, we can run into some major problems. So look in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, I don't know where what Paul was thinking when he was writing this. I know that he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but I don't think he was just saying, hmm, let bitterness. Yeah, that's a good one. And um, wrath, that's a good one. And then, no, no, everything in the Bible is, is for a purpose. The Bible is a book of order. Nothing is random. So look at the definition of these words in order here. Bitterness, what is bitterness? That is a deep-seated resentment. Then you have wrath. Wrath is vengeful actions, an act of rage. Then you have anger, which is just a, a strong emotion. I don't need to define anger to you all. You've watched the news. You've been to the DMV. You know what anger is. Clamor. Clamor is a public outcry. Evil speaking, that's secret gossip. And malice is just ill will. So do you see how this list naturally progresses from the most severe all the way down to the one that seems to be the most innocent? And Paul does this for a reason. So he's, he's teaching these Christians right now in, in Ephesus to put off the old man and put on the new man. And in order to do that, he's saying you need to put away these things and you need to watch out for bitterness. Now, at that point, some of us may pat ourselves on the back and say, bitterness, I don't have a problem with that. I've, I've been angry before, but I don't have a deep-seated resentment against anybody. Now, some Christians do. Oh, it's quiet. We'll move on. Maybe you say, have I been hurt before? Sure, but I don't hold a deep-seated resentment against anybody. Okay, maybe we don't have bitterness. He goes back. Have you ever acted upon your anger to somebody? Maybe you say, no. I've thought about it, but I've never actually gone through with it. Okay, have you ever lived with a strong emotion of anger against another person, against another brother? Sure, I've been angry before, but the Bible says be angry and sin not. Yeah, it's in verse 26 of the same chapter. Ephesians 4, 26, be angry and sin not. How do you sin with anger? It's the second part of the verse. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now that doesn't mean my wrath will survive till the next day. The sun shall not go down on it. No, no, no. Do <laughs> Do not let the sun go down before you get it right. Because how you sin with anger is you just keep it. And you let it fester for a little bit more. And pretty soon that deep emotional anger that you have within you, it's got to come out. And it's going to come out in wrath. He goes further though. Maybe you don't have anger. Have you ever openly spoken against another brother? That's clamor. I tell you, I'm getting sick and tired of. Okay, maybe we haven't done that. How about evil speaking? How about just secretly? 
have we ever done that? Maybe if we've never done, done that, have you ever just even had a thought of ill will against somebody else? That's malice. He says, put it away. Put it away. The simple thought of ill will against anybody, a brother especially, is just as dangerous as deep-seated resentment because ill will, if left alone, eventually leads to bitterness. So don't fear that small, unchecked thought of ill will any less than we fear deep-seated resentment against somebody. The Bible says, put it away and be ye kind one to another. Be ye kind one to another. So how do we combat this natural tendency for malice and evil speaking and clamor and, and just strife in general? Going to have to learn to be kind. Uh, uh, a hymnist wrote this, to combat all the powers of hell and all my rage and malice quell, to make the prince of darkness flee, there's none like that. Lord, give it me. If we are only kind to the people who deserve kindness, if we are only kind to those who haven't hurt us, if we have this three-strike policy or a one-strike policy, we're going to live a pretty difficult life because people are different. We are different than one another. We are prone to disagree, especially with those who are closest to us. The closer you get to somebody, the more you're going to see their imperfections. And, as, and that's, the, that's partly why the people that you hurt the most are the people that you love the most. Isn't that the truth? And the people that you have been hurt by are the people that love you the most. Because more time spent with each other, we families have seen a lot of each other this year. You've had arguments. You've had, talking to parents right now is like talking to someone with Tourette's. You're talking to them on the phone. Yeah, everything's fine. I'll be there Saturday. Don't lick that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? There's constantly something going on. We're, we're, you get pushed to the edge because we, the, the more we see each other, the more opportunities there are to disagree. The more opportunities there are for strife. But the more opportunities there are to be kind. To be kind to one another. And look in Luke chapter 6. Keep our place in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look in Luke chapter 6. Uh, and verse 31. Look in verse 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies. And do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. We can turn back to Ephesians. Uh, kindness shouldn't be something 
that people have to earn from us. Kindness shouldn't be something that people have to earn from us. Kindness should be given. And when the Heavenly Father says, be ye kind, what is he saying? He's saying, be friendly, be courteous, be generous one to another, not just in words, but in deeds. So how can we do this? How can we find the key of kindness? Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. To be tender-hearted means to be greatly compassionate. Now, I, I firmly believe that everybody is born tender-hearted, but sin and strife quickly start doing their work on us. Not only our own sin, but sin of those around us can also contribute to a hard heart or losing our tender heart. Think about this. What, what is the thing about a tender heart? It can be easily crushed. A tender heart can be easily hurt. When you're a child, some of you, you teach children. Teaching children in school is a lot different than teaching a high schooler. Dealing with children is a lot different than dealing with an adult. Why? Because as a child, for the most part, we're open, we're compassionate to one another, and we trust that others are going to be the same back. But as time goes on, we get hurt. We get hurt by people. We hurt others. And when we get hurt by people, what is our usual reaction? It's to harden our heart so we don't get hurt again. I'm not going to put myself in that, in that same position. Someone you trusted hurt you, so now it's hard for you to trust anybody. Maybe a friend betrayed you, so now your guard, up, your guard is up with anybody. And even the smallest of misunderstandings, even the smallest of differences, it reminds us of past hurt, and the guards go up because I will not be hurt again. Sound familiar? 1 Peter 3, 8, and 9 says this. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that you are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Have we ever thought that that person who hurt us that day or who said something and maybe was a little curt or was a little short, have we ever thought maybe that person who hurt me is hurt themselves? Hurting people hurt people. Whether they want to do it or not, you, you have no idea what that person might be carrying, what they might be going through. So instead of having malice against others, when's the last time we showed some pity? Instead of gossiping, when's the last time we prayed? Instead of just clamming up, when's the last time we reached out? Instead of saying, what's wrong with you? How about asking, what's wrong? But when we lose our tender heart, it's very easy for us to pull away from kindness rather than put away malice. A tender heart is patient. A tender heart is pitiful. It's compassionate. It gives another chance. A tender heart shows love even when it's difficult. Charity suffereth long and is kind. But you don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she said to me. 
You don't know how he hurt me. You don't know how she betrayed me. You don't know what I've been through. So then we choose to live the rest of our life in malice, which leads to evil speaking against that person, which leads to clamor against that person. I don't care if it's gossip. I don't care if people know or not. Just people are going to know how I feel about that person and what that person did to me. And then it leads to anger. And then it leads to acting upon that anger. And soon we're spending our days in a prison of bitterness. Nobody's keeping you in it. Nobody took the key. You lost it. You lost the key. And we lose it when we lose our tender heart. And follow along with me here. How do we lose our tender heart? We lose our tender heart when we refuse to forgive one another. I am not saying that the person didn't hurt you. They very very well could have deeply, but we refuse to forgive one another, and suddenly we lose our tender heart. I am not going to put myself in a position to have to forgive somebody again. Woe be unto you if you knock the chip off my shoulder. We live by this, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Where's that in the Bible? How about let all things be done with charity? I'm getting ahead of myself, but Lord, How often shall my brother, my brother, somebody close to me, somebody who shouldn't be sinning against me, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? I say not unto you seven times. Seventy times seven. Insert the joke here about having a a tally. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. The Bible is not difficult to understand. Sometimes it's a little difficult to put into practice. But it is not difficult to understand. And there are two marks of a Christian. They're, they're not easy, but they are distinguishing marks of a Christian. Giving and forgiving. So often when somebody makes a mistake, we want to rub it in instead of rub it out. I'm going to forgive and forget but I'm going to remind you how I forgot all the time. And perhaps we were truly hurt. Perhaps we were truly done wrong. But unforgiveness, focus in here, unforgiveness is just as much a sin as the offense that caused our hurt. And be honest, unforgiveness does more damage to your heart than what we're refusing to forgive. What is doing more damage? The bitterness in your heart or the thing that brought the bitterness? I'm going to say the bitterness. Pastor, do you realize what would have to happen in order to forgive that person? It would mean opening myself up. It would mean putting myself in a position to be hurt again. The Bible calls it being tenderhearted, but yes. Yes, that's a part of it. That is a part of it. Now stay with me. It would mean being kind to somebody who doesn't deserve kindness. It would mean being kind to somebody who hasn't been kind to me. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. But if I forgive them, oh, I hear this all the time. But if I forgive them, that means I'm letting them off the hook. No, 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 hang on, hang on. They will need to answer to God for what they've done. If it is a sin, they will need to answer to God for what they've done. Unless they get it right with God, 
Let's say they get it right with God and they ask for forgiveness. That means it is blotted out of God's book, but we're going to keep it in ours. In God's book, it is removed as far as the east is from the west, but we're going to keep it in ours. And I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this. Does the Bible say in this, in this verse, does it say forgive another? Tender-hearted forgiving another? What does it say? Forgiving another or forgiving one another? Perhaps today we need to do the forgiving. Chances are tomorrow we're going to need to be forgiven. So do unto others. Forgiveness isn't letting them off the hook. It's letting you off the hook. Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? Seventy times seven. But so many say, why would I forgive them after all they've done? I will never forgive them. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say that to us? Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Name one sin that anybody has committed against us that is worse than the sin we've committed against God. If we believe somebody else doesn't deserve our forgiveness, certainly we don't deserve forgiveness. And by the way, we don't. But it's a good thing God doesn't forgive us for our sake. He forgives us for Christ's sake. You might be here this morning saying, there's no way God could forgive me. There's no way God can save me after all that I've done. He forgives you for Christ's sake, not for your own. So if you're here this morning, you don't know that Jesus is your Savior, he'll save you today. He'll forgive you of your sins today. You can be 100% sure that you are going to heaven when you die. Because God forgives for Christ's sake. And you can stand before the Lord, not condemned by sin, but saved from sin. Fallible, yes but forgiven. Where are you going to spend eternity? That is the question of life. Where are you going to spend eternity? With God or without him? With salvation or with damnation? And we can show you from the Bible today how you can know for sure that you can be saved. But there are some here today, you know that you're saved, you know that you're a Christian, you know that Jesus is your savior, but you are making your life on earth a living hell. No, you will never taste of hell in eternity. But, the, but Satan brought hell to us because we've lost the key of kindness. God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us, but we will not forgive somebody else. And we're so quick to pull away because we've lost our tender heart towards one another. And now we're living in a prison of our own making. Do you want the key? Do you want the key to get out? Then let all bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let it go. What did Brother Rusty preach? Shut the door on it and move forward. That's what God wants. Let it go. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptist.com.
cctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.